This is Tony, and this is a special bonus episode of What Did We Miss? If you're looking at your podcast app and, and thinking, didn't you dum-dums just do the Fantastic Four? Uh, you're not wrong, but this is different. We are talking about the the legendary and infamous unintended for public consumption adaptation of Fantastic Four. But to do that today, we've got a couple of guests, the multi-hyphenate hosts of the Chuck and Brad podcast, Chuck Staten and Brad Rohrer. What's up? This Hello. I am Brad. Wow, good job, Brad. Thank you. So, in addition to hosting the podcast, Chuck is the, the lead singer of Senior Discount. Yes. He is a filmmaker that's who right. works with uh, the Tell Him Steve Dave podcast crew. Yeah, yeah that's right. Brad is a uh, improviser at large. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. think that's true. Excellent. At large. You mean, that means he escaped from prison, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's an improviser. I just want to say, he's an improviser separately. He's also at large. So yes. if yeah. you see him, please mm-hmm. just protect his identity. He, I, I'm, I'm not armed, uh, <laughs> nor am I dangerous. Yeah. If, if so he, just tackle me. Just, he, just <laughs> shove me into traffic. Yeah. He, he will say he has a gun? Nope. 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 Scared of him. <laughs> he just says that. He just yeah, says if, it. If you come to a traffic stop and a, and a bunch of nerds stop you, just yes and. To uh, <laughs> where to Brad's whereabouts? Yes. Can I say you should be in prison? Because we have coffees. We have iced coffees today. And Brad's one of those people who like will wrap a napkin around his iced coffee and hold it like that, and like it kills me inside that you do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want condensation all over your hands? It's it's slightly. I, I, oh, it's the worst it, thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's, it's slightly better than uh, if you're listening to this outside of New England. Uh, yeah. What people like to do is get a gigantic Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee yes. and then put it in an even bigger styrofoam cup, <laughs> which is like the the planet cries every time. What if someone... you have been using the same styrofoam cups and you just keep them in your office and use them week to week to week to week to week? If I, for a second, thought that people around here did that, right, I well, would say that's probably better for the environment. All right, well, but I know don't. one person who just got out of jail. Me. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say... I okay, so I do film editing for my house as like my main job. So I live in uh, downtown Warren, Rhode Island, um, and it's like a very towny area, classic like movie town. And I walk out of my house and I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I get a large cold brew every day. Uh, I walk my dog there; she's adorable. And uh, they don't make uh, styrofoam cups that would fit it. Really? Yeah, you have to get a medium to do that. But uh, I, I'd rather see people killing the planet slowly. Than Brad with a, a wet napkin wrapped around his coffee. I'm not going to apologize for who I am. You know, I don't think you should. Thank you. You know, you uh, you you made the ridiculous choice to wrap your coffee in a napkin. I think you, the least you can do is own it. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm owning it. I will say, as I age, I might be more accepting of that because when I was a kid. Well, and I'm older than you, so it I all was, works oh, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I hated when people would eat a candy bar and have the wrapper just peeled down like, like a, a Snickers, like a banana. Yeah, like, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like a candy bar banana. I hated that, but now I don't like my fingers to get dirty. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we all change. Yeah. Maybe that's the same thing. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah anyway, probably. that's what you can expect on the Chuck and Brad podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten minute long fights about <laughs> the pettiest of the petty. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to talking about Fantastic Four, you guys are here because uh, you've you've got a uh, a comedy show at the end of the month. That's right. Here at the Comedy Connection in East Providence. Yes. Um. Tell me about it, because I think I think having you two on to talk about this particular piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, Tony. Uh, well, I mean, it's you don't know it's what Tony we th- you don't no, know what no. we thought about the Fantastic Four. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we but, loved it. So, so my understanding of what you guys are doing yeah. is, is, I guess, a poor reinterpretation of Spider-Man. So tell us, tell us a bit about that. So, have you ever been to one of our live shows? I have not. Okay, so uh, you know, Brad and I have been doing the Chuck and Brad podcast. For about ten years, you know, we just crossed uh, like we're at like four, episode four eighteen right now, right? Yes. We started doing a live podcast a long time ago, and we realized that like, oh, if we're doing a, an audio podcast just like this every week, that's kind of about topics that are with improvised conversation, which is a typical podcast. Maybe our live podcast where people are paying to see us on stage, that maybe that should be uh, kind of more visually stimulating, maybe a little bit more planned. Um, and so we started doing these live podcasts a few years ago. And uh, we'd come up with different segments. We would do kind of live, uh, very evolved pranks, different things like that. And um, one of the things we did, which came from something we did in private, was Brad is like a terrible artist. I'm very bad at drawing. Like terrible. Yeah. And so uh, in private, one year for my girlfriend for Christmas, my girlfriend Gina, I was like, oh, what if you uh, drew all the key scenes from How the Grinch Stole Christmas and then I wrote a funny narration based on what they look like, and you read it at Christmas. And so for Christmas, we gave that to her as a present. 
and it was like probably like what like 10 minutes long right yeah and we and we had a tv we just kind of i know that sounds bizarre that we would give someone a christmas present that's like that but we like to do presentational presents it's fun <laughs> it's a little more personal for, yeah. for birthdays <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and so they were so funny brad's drawings of the grinch were so funny like if i ever had to get a tattoo it would probably be of like Brad's drawing of the Grinch. It looks Grinch. like he's, he's moonwalking. I mean, the, the motion arrows were going in the, the opposite. He wasn't moonwalking. <laughs> so so uh, I loved it. And then uh, we were, so, oh yeah, so we were doing these live podcasts, all these different segments, and we were doing stand up at the same time. Uh, the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island, which is a, a real historic comedy club that people go through. Like, you know, Mark Marin came through there, Pete Holmes comes up through there. Everyone from Boston is kind of one of the places that they go. They were nice enough to, nice enough to give us a chance to do uh, our Halloween show a couple years ago. Yeah. And it really went really well. So they let us do a Christmas show. And we were trying to think of segments for our Christmas show. And I was like, well, I guess we have that Grinch thing in our back pocket. And Brad is like, Absolutely not. I don't want people to see how bad I am at drawing. I think I think you more thought it was not going right. to translate. And I thought people were going to be like, there, there's nothing funny about this because it's so, like, you can't tell what it is. You yeah, can't tell yeah. that it's it's a Grinch. And to me, and so, you know, and the idea is kind of like, not only is it Brad's funny, you know, it's not just like you watch a terrible, you see uh, this whole thing of the story of terrible drawings and you laugh at every drawing. It's the commentary that Brad is forced to read that I wrote about his drawings, right? That's true. That's what makes it funny. But then again, Brad also likes to, uh, you know, he likes to get the job done. So he's like, yeah, I guess we could just use this segment and we'll see how it goes. Because that, that fills up the fourth segment and we're done writing the show. So we did the segment. Probably was the best segment of the show. It really went over well. It brought the house down. People, people really enjoyed it. And so we're like, all right, let's, what else can we do? And so we've, we've tried with other movies, Jurassic Park, Back yeah. to the Future. Yep. And, Avengers. Uh, yeah. And, and now we're... Uh, now we, when we headline at the Comedy Connection... We'll take a movie that's currently in theaters, like let's say Jurassic World 2 came out or Avengers uh, Infinity War Endgame came out, and we'll do like the initial, the original Touchstone movie, if there's a Touchstone movie. So yeah, we did Jurassic Park around the release of Jurassic World 2. We did uh, the original Avengers movie around the release of Infinity War and Endgame, and we do like a headlining set. So you know, we'll open the show, do a little comedy up front, Brad and I, then we'll have like three or four stand-up comics, and then we'll close the show with a, a retelling of that entire movie, whatever movie it is with Brad's drawings and my narration based on what they look like. How long does that take? Do you take like, is it a, is it the length of a film? No, or? no, basically we try to bring it down to about 25 minutes. Okay. We think that's, we think that's an appropriate length for this bit. Cause the Avengers is not short. Oh, no. That's, that's no. the thing is <laughs> that was the most challenging one. So like how the Grinch stole Christmas, the beats of that from a storytelling perspective are, are small. There's not that many, but I actually think our Avengers one is, is very, like logically paced like I feel like you don't have to be an expert on the movie to get the jokes it's not like remember this scene where there was this thing in the background it's not you're not, you get, you're not getting into the weeds I, th no. I think you could actually go see the our retelling without knowing the original movie and you would understand all the jokes because we're actually telling the story all over again and if you don't know the jokes you can laugh at my drawings no you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll laugh it's, at the jokes there's something for everybody yes but yeah so because this summer uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out, the final movie in Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. On uh, June 27th and June 30th, we're doing Spider-Man, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Bradley Drawn. That's what we call the show, is Bradley Drawn. Very clever. Right? And uh, we're doing it at on June 30th at the Comedy Connection East Providence, Rhode Island, with Ray Harrington, Jiggy, the Impractical Jokers tour opener, and Alan Fitzgerald. Um, and we're also doing it um, in Hartford, Connecticut, at the CT Comedy Theater on Thursday, June 27th with Laura Manisowicz, BJ Quagan, and Katie Arroyo. Nice. And we're going to do the same show at both places. So if you're in, if you're around Connecticut, come out to the Connecticut date. If you're around Rhode Island, please come out to the Rhode Island date. It's going to be really fun. And if you like pop culture and you kind of you like comedy and you want to find a thing that's kind of like a fun way to celebrate, you know, the, the new Spider-Man movie, the Avengers, whatever. This is a really fun event to go to. It's really like lively and energetic, and it's uh, it's it's really fun. All the shows have gone really well. You know, we've done this. This will be our fourth headliner at the Comedy Connection. That's about a movie retelling, and all of them have been super fun. The comics are great. Ray Harrington is probably the best comic in the area. Yeah, that, he's a great yeah. dude. He's and incredible. His, he's his incredible. album that he put out well, last year, the year before, yeah. so good. It's great. He's he's incredible, and we just kind of got lucky in that we crossed paths at the right time. He's kind of been just like, oh, I love what you guys are doing. I love that you're doing something different. I'm totally behind it. And so he's just down to be on all of our shows. So we just use him as our pawn. I'm the king. Brad's the queen. Ray's the pawn. That's correct. So come Perfect. out and see the chess game. On June 30th at the Comedy <laughs> Connection. Uh, where can people find out about that? Uh, uh, if you go to chuckandbradpodcast.com, it's going to have the event pages and all the you know the, the artwork for it and stuff like that. There'll be an event page on Facebook that you can get from chuckandbradpodcast.com. Uh, but yeah, 
Comedy Connection, East Providence, Rhode Island, on Sunday, June 30th. Come see Spider-Man Bradley Drawn before you go see Spider-Man Far From Home and get your refresher on the origin story of Spider-Man. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what I, I love about that? you got to come. you got to come to one I of these. I will come. You should. You should. And what I love about this is that um, fandom is just so angry and entitled. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more fun than than taking the piss out of something you love. Yeah, it's all in good fun. I, it's it's it, you know it's none of this is so precious that you can't relax and, and take it a little less seriously. I, I believe in kind of the Shaun of the Dead method of of satire, where it's like, is that movie saying, oh, zombie films are dumb? No, it's saying, we love zombie films. Let's make them funny. Yeah, let's inject our humor into yeah. this genre, and that's kind of how we look at you know. Uh, this kind of stuff, right? Which you know, and you can always tell when uh, a parody or or a send up is coming from a place of love, or yeah. coming from a place of disdain, or something in the middle, or just right. doesn't get it. Right. Which controversial opinion is why I don't think Spaceballs is that great. I don't. I, I don't think Mel Brooks ever saw Star Wars. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I love Spaceballs, but. I got the like from the book club at school. I got the the novelization. Yeah. Uh, and I read that probably eight or nine times before I saw the movie. I can't believe they novelized Spaceballs. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they novelized it's a, a lot different of stuff. time. No, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll also say I read the novelization of the Karate Kid before I saw the movie, and so we saw the movie, and I'm like, Mom, they left out chapter twenty. What like, happened I, in chapter twenty? <laughs> chapter twenty was how Karate Kid Two starts, where like Crease uh, confronts Daniel and Mr. Miyagi in the parking lot. So did they use it eventually? They did use it. They oh, used it at good. the start of Karate Kid Two, and I was like, "Oh, there's chapter twenty. Thank I was so God. Re- so relieved. Oh but, man, you know, I was that's in like so fourth funny. or fifth grade. You're just so. left hanging. Yeah. That's funny. I uh, it's funny because I also think that some stuff it depends on when it hits you. Like Spaceballs is a movie I have a lot of fondness for, but if it came out now, I don't know if I would have. No, that's you know what exa- I mean. That's it's exactly when you're a kid, it. when you're ten. Oh no, I loved it when I was a kid, and yeah. I was like, oh man, Spaceballs! I can't wait to rewatch this. And I, I'm like, it doesn't hold up as much as like a Blazing Saddles or, I, I, or yeah. uh, I, Young Frankenstein. I think Dan Harmon's joke was, oh, I just watched Spaceballs, or as I call it, the first draft of Spaceballs. That's a great <laughs> joke. I love that joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. he's the best. That's that's pretty on point. Yeah, um, I, I agree though. I agree, and and. I, and you know, the Chuck, our podcast, the Chuck and Brad podcast, is definitely uh, we embrace a love of pop culture, and and where I look at it as a a landscape of projects that has a lot of highlights and and different strengths and weaknesses in different projects. So like every year around Halloween, we'll watch an entire movie series. Honestly, it's very close to what this show is. Mm-hmm. We'll watch like like let's watch every Halloween movie. Let's watch every Leprechaun movie. Every Friday the Thirteenth. We've done this for years now. Where we, you know, it'll th- we'll start in July and we'll watch like the eleven Nightmare on Elm Street movies, yeah. and then we'll do a podcast where we kind of tell our own version of the entire story to someone who's never seen them, and it's kind of to poke fun at some of it, but it's also to kind of really just like get into the analyzation of something that is a pop culture phenomenon, yeah, or something that was successful enough to have, you know, ten sequels or something like that. Um, and I think it's fun to explore the the positives and negatives. Oh, of absolutely, that from a place of love. Totally. You know, have you guys done Hellraiser yet? No, I, I've never even seen one Hellraiser. So I, 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 uh, I don't know why I did this to myself. I'm like, I'm gonna watch all nine Hellraiser movies yeah, yeah, this yeah, October. Yeah, that's okay, good. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the first four are varying degrees of interesting and terrible. Yeah, right? yeah But sure. then, like, then once you get to the straight to video era, yeah, it's clear that whatever like small studio made it had a, a psychological thriller that they couldn't get off the ground, and they're like, what if we put Pinhead in it? <laughs> Yeah, because he just they, kinda, they, they yeah. do that. That yeah. happened. Yeah, that Saw Two. Saw Two was it was a different script, and they just said, "Let's make it a Saw movie." Yeah, uh, then, Die Hard Three was was a movie called Simon Says, and they're yeah. like, "You know what? If we put John McClane in this." Yep. I will say, I love Die Hard Three. It's my favorite Die Hard. It's Samuel a good Jackson. one. It's a great one. Uh, they did it with. Uh, I think they might have done it with one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, where they're like, "Oh man, Carrie is popular. Like, can we uh, can we make a movie like Carrie?" They're like, "Yeah, let's put Jason in it," and that's what it is. It's a it's a girl with. Telekinetic powers, and she fights Jason. Wow. That's like Friday the 13th 4, right? I'm, yeah, well, I so. was picturing Jason going up to get his prom crown and then a bucket of pig's blood <laughs> falling on him. No, that wouldn't be good for the pig's blood. Dumpers? Dumpers. The pig, uh, for, for big pig's blood? Yes. The pig's blood industry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get to it. We are let's talking about the Fantastic Four. Roger um, Corman. The background here is Roger Corman was approached by a producer. His name was Burned... Eichinger. He had he had acquired the rights to Fantastic Four for a quarter of a million dollars in the eighties. Right. Uh, it was about to, his his rights were going to run out at the end of nineteen ninety two. Mm. Studios were gun shy because he was looking for a budget in the low thirty millions mm-hmm. to make it. No one wanted to give him the money for it. He approached yeah. Roger Corman. Corman said, "What's the budget?" He said, 32 million. 
Corman said, well, how much do you actually have? The guy said, I have one million. Mm. Roger Corman took a weekend, came back, said, yeah, we can swing that. Oh, boy. So they made this movie. And as far as I can understand, everybody involved, except for the that producer guy who had the rights, thought this was going to happen. So, like, they did interviews. They did, they yeah, did a trailer. Right. Posters were out. And then the movie was done. He showed up. He bought it and buried it. Yeah, there was like there even was a premiere planned yeah. by the cast and crew. It was gonna be at the Mall of America. It was at the Mall of America, and 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 he uh, someone came in and like made them cancel it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, and for people who are not on the inside of the industry, yeah, that can happen. Basically, like so, I think this happened. I think that someone, I think it was maybe Sony or somebody, did have the rights to a character, and they were basically putting a big sequel, a big budget sequel, into production just so they didn't lose their rights mm-hmm. because the Marvel rights can be like, oh, Sony, if you don't make a Spider-Man movie every four years, then after four years go by, if you if you miss one, then the rights revert back to us. It could be in the contract. Right, and this worked because this yeah. guy went on to produce the, the two Tim Story Fantastic Four movies from 2005 and 2007. And I think Avi or Avi Arad was one of the producers on this, and yep. he is the producer of like a lot of later Marvel movies, like yeah. the Spider-Man movies and stuff like that. Because yeah. I noticed his name in the credits when we were watching the new spider the. The 2002 Spider-Man. Yeah, and I also read that he destroyed any copies that he could. Like, it was, I mean, this is, Stan Lee had nothing but horrible things to say about it. Here's, here's what's weird, though. He's, Avi Arad, who I don't know who that is exactly, but he was in an interview being like, no, this was not made for this reason. I don't, so I'm confused about the, the truth behind this. Right, I think, I think it all boils down to this, uh, uh, this Eichinger guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that was his plan the whole makes time. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it worked out for him, but like I said, nobody else thought this was happening. So, um, so what do you know? What happened with the Fast and Fantastic Four rights after this? Because they eventually went to Fox. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, so he stayed on as a producer. Oh, so he was able to basically, yeah. So he was navigate in, that. Yeah. So he was involved right, with yeah. those uh, those movies that came out later on with Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis. You know what? If if he did this and he promised everyone a certain amount of money to be in this movie and they all agreed to it and did it maybe good on him right I, I don't know I don't know I don't know how much of a benefit I, I, good on him from a business perspective I don't know about from an artistic perspective well yeah but it is a business too yeah you know you never know what would have happened if he lost the rights right you know not that the Fantastic Four movies were amazing well that's the thing is like and we can get into this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there have been four feature films, three released, one mm-hmm. leaked onto YouTube, um, yeah. and none of them have really, wow, that's even true. seemed to scratch the surface of what makes these characters interesting. Wow, I never thought about that. None of the Fantastic Four movies have been like uh, acclaimed. None yeah, of no. them have been really like well received and, and beloved. Anyway, I, you no. know what I mean. I think that's interesting. I don't. Th- I never saw the one with Silver Surfer. Neither I know I. I saw. I know I've seen the other two. Yeah. And I can't tell you a thing about them because they're so boring and dull. Wow, 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 wow. That's interesting. I I saw the, the 2005 and 2007 ones mm-hmm. like in theaters, mm. and I'm like, these were fine. You know, yeah. not, not, not excellent. Yeah. Uh, there were things I liked and things I didn't like. And then I saw the most recent one. That was technically a movie. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But, but wow, kind that's of the same really thing where, where, you know, you're looking for the relationship between these characters because I, at least I come into it kind of knowing. And then they do an origin story, and they, like, I, I know the origin. Much like with, with Spider-Man, where they did the, the origin with Tobey Maguire, and they did the origin with Andrew Garfield, and then they skipped the origin with Tom Holland. And yeah. it's like, all right, well, he's got his powers. We don't need to see Uncle Ben again. I will say, though, uh, Spider-Man's origin story is emotional. Yeah. It has a lot to do with his personality and the emotion behind what his character is and his drive and stuff like that. And the Fantastic Origin Story, Fantastic Four Origin Story, seems more like mechanical and just like a bullet point. It's like they did an experiment, it went bad, and that's it, right? Right. That's all I know. And on top of that, they were already their powers don't really fundamentally change them as people. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're not necessarily superheroes because, or not not like the rest of the heroes. You know, they're they're out they're public figures. Right. Um, And they've always been scientists, and they've always been these sort of adventurers and Mm -hmm. like a you know almost like a. You know Johnny Quest's dad, globetrotting, doing yeah, all this yeah, weird yeah. science stuff. Yeah, uh, and then just suddenly they have these powers and they can go on weirder adventures. But um, yeah. what was always interesting is that they were just a dysfunctional family. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know the the most recent Fantastic Four movie I think spends at least two thirds of the the runtime just setting up the accident, and then yeah. like they kind of have their powers at the end. And that's, yes. like, who wants to watch them just kind of sit around and? Interesting. I don't know. It's interesting. So I'm under the opinion, I want to see if you feel the same way. I kind of think that with the right writer-director, 
they can take a property and do it really well and make it a success. I think um, anything, just about anything that's been successful, even like, you know, something as out there as like 21 Jump Street, where they took that and they just made a completely different project and kind of barely used the bones. I think that came out great, perfect way to use that. Um, so I think that Fantastic Four can be done well, but is it, a situ- is it a situation where it's just a lot harder because there's four characters? Like, why do you think it's been so universally, like, not great? I, I think it's this idea that any introduction to a new property or mm-hmm. a new character demands an origin story. And I don't think that gives audiences very much credit. If, if, if you mm. watch a trailer for the Fantastic Four and you go see the movie and it doesn't have the origin story, I don't think you're going to walk away being like, I really wish they showed that cosmic ray accent. I will say this, though. I do think that part of the DNA of the Fantastic Four is that Ben Grimm hates being the thing and that Reed Richards feels responsible for it. I think that that's yeah, part of like what makes them. So if you don't have the origin story, how do you really focus on that? Because that's almost like the emotional core of the Fantastic Four. Sure. So you almost need it. Like with, with the Joker in Dark Knight Returns, it has nothing to do with how he became the Joker. His his role doesn't have to do with that. But if, you're, if your role is like, I used to be a real person and now I'm the big rock man and I hate it, maybe your your transformation into that has to happen on screen. Sure. You know? Yeah. That's, you know, that's a possibility. I don't know. It's interesting because like the Hulk has also been a character where it's like there wasn't really a great screen adaptation for a long time. And then they really successfully created the Hulk by making him not a lead in a movie. You know, yeah, I, it was the... Avengers, Thor Ragnarok, you know, Endgame and uh, Infinity War and, and Age of Ultron. And Hulk has been so successful on screen as being a secondary character. A you know, Hulk movie can really only be one thing unless you want to get weird and do like Planet Hulk stuff. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which, you know, they kind of work that into Ragnarok with uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the arena. but um, Yeah, you're right. He doesn't really have an emotional arc in those movies. In Avengers, he's just like a scientist that helps, and at the end he says, I'm always angry, and he beats people up. And that's right. It. <laughs> Smashes, yeah. In a great way. Yeah. So what did you guys think of this movie? You know, you could you could tell it was low budget. Right. And uh, there, were, there were definitely story elements that as we were watching, like there were things that we made fun of, yeah. but as as we were watching, there were story elements that were like, "Oh, that was a good idea." You know what? I buy that. Yeah, that's great. But then there were just so many curious yeah. choices uh, when when Doctor Doom is is giving a speech over their their big you know television, and he ends it with like, "Have a nice night." Like where it's so sheepish. Like it's it's a thing that like as an actor you'd say it to get a laugh out of the other actors. Yes, but right. they just left it in and the final it. cut. Yeah, um, I thought it was. You know, it's hard because I do think that as uh, as you get older, film kind of has uh, evolved. And so you're used to tighter scripts, faster, you know, storylines. Like even even if you watch a good movie right now from the 70s or 80s, I think a lot of people who are like, let's say, 22 now will be like, oh, this movie's really slow. So it's going to have some of that built in already. But man, the schlock factor is is at a hundred percent this whole time. Yeah. Right. Right. It was crazy. So here's some context. The movie cost one million dollars. <throat> the next time they made a Fantastic Four movie, it cost a hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. Um, I mean, this this movie reeks of like the kind of quality that would show up on a Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yes. Yes. With the completely bonkers caveat that it has five of the most famous comic book characters ever created. Right. Yeah, right. Um, the costumes looked like their mom made them for Halloween <laughs> as Reed and Sue drive away at the end after they get married and his, like, oh, that hand his wobbly up. outstretched arm. <laughs> that is the number one best part of the movie. It's, and it was like, it almost was done purposely for a laugh. And yeah. that was the best, I think that was the best part of the it's movie. It's so goofy. It's it, great. But, you know, it, is Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four, like Rise of the Silver Surfer or the other one? He's in the first, first one. one. Yeah, he's he not is? in Rise of the Silver Surfer. They fight Galactus in that Yeah, and Galactus, they're like, well, you know, a big giant man would be goofy, so let's just make him a cloud. He was a cloud. Oh, really? I yeah. never watched that one. That's yeah. crazy. What was your sort of familiarity with this before going into it, if any? I knew I knew about the idea that they made this movie just to retain the rights that was never intended to be released. Uh, I heard about that. I think we might have even like put it on in the background in of like, the Hangout. In like 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it was a long time ago. ago. Yeah. But I kind of go into these things like from a filmmaking perspective, and I'm like, well, what were they trying to do? Why did, you know, why did they make these choices? I'll say bad choice. Having Reed Richards go to a house and be like, look at this 12-year-old girl. Yeah. And she's like has a crush on him. And then it's like a couple years later, and he's like, oh, man. I now w- I'll bang this little girl. I was terrified. Wasn't that, that awful? So – 
Yeah, so so the at the beginning it's um You could show her separately. You sure. could show her not in scenes with him and not being romantically interested in him. Right. So that introduction sequence shows uh Reed and uh Victor Von Doom doing right. a science experiment that leaves Doom disfigured, which is right. why he resents Reed. Sure. But he goes to this orphanage where a young Johnny Storm was a, bo- a boarding house. Boarding house yeah. where Johnny Storm and Sue Storm live. Yeah. yeah. And for a minute I was like, oh no, is the accident that gives them their powers also gonna turn Sue into an adult and then they're gonna start dating like right Ooh. now oh that god that would be bizarre at least there was a time <laughs> jump but it, yeah. I totally agree it was so weird that um, he starts dating Tom Hanks in big yeah <laughs> I, yeah oh man uh and it was time, but that's not good. I I, I didn't like that. No, I thought, it, I thought it that was, was very creepy. uncomfortable. I mean, there were a lot of things that you couldn't help but see the whole. There's a whole subplot with uh, the blind woman Alicia Masters, yes. who uh, is a sculptor who right, in the comics right. was uh, Ben Grimm's girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. Where this like mole man type guy called the jeweler falls was, in love with her. Yeah, Brad was looking it up during the movie. He exists only. Yeah, like he's not a Marvel Comics character. He exists only for this film. I right. Th- I think, but he is like a he is like a version of Mole Man. Yeah. Right. Sort of. He right. Has and, mole people. and you can't. He looks a lot like the Leprechaun from the Leprechaun series. Exactly. We kept saying, "I wants me gold." <laughs> like just every time. I mean, that whole plot line was clearly because they they were like, "Okay, we've only got so much money to do superpower stuff. Uh-huh. We need to pad this thing out." I think uh, if you came to me and you said, "Chuck, we're going to make a Fantastic Four movie." What if we made Doctor Doom the main villain, and the Mole Man is also there, but he kind of plays a secondary role? I'd be like, I think that's a good choice. That makes sense to me as uh, the foundation of the movie. By the way, I think it just cracked the code of how to make a Fantastic Four movie. Is it involve the Mole Man? Yeah, more Mole Man. Well, here's here's what you do. If you if you want to skip the origin, you start the Fantastic Four movie, and they're the Fantastic Four. They're beating up you know whoever. They're doing good things, and Doctor Doom is all upset because Reed disfigured him. And in the beginning of the movie, Doctor Doom essentially convinces the Thing that he's like he disfigured you, he disfigured me, like he's a terrible person, he needs to be stopped. And the Thing kind of goes with Doctor Doom, and he kind of helps him throughout the movie. And at the end of the movie, when the Doctor Doom is really going to do something evil, Thing kind of realizes this is a terrible idea, and he goes back to Fantastic Four. That's the movie to make. Sure, that's the way to skip the origin but focus on the heart of the right. characters, right? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Do they even follow up on the fact that he is uh, an autocratic? Madman who runs a Eastern European country. I don't know that they mentioned Latveria at all in this film. But I mean, they, they do sort of. Those two henchmen refer to him as right. some sort of royalty. But right. I don't think they follow up on that. Oh, like, like how did that happen? Because he be, before that he was a disfigured scientist, and now how is he like a king of this right. country? Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Course. I mean, and that's all that's in the comics question. and stuff. But they. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I will say he didn't seem like he had a lot of subjects. We really only saw the uh, the Doomettes. Didn't uh, like he had like women. Uh, with with assault rifles that were fighting for him, right? Oh, maybe I don't know. If maybe I they were the that. Doom bots. Yeah, I will say just for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, the the loose plot is like you know, yeah, Fant- Reed Richards disfigures Doctor Doom because they're partners. Time jump, and later on he's working with Sue Storm, you know, Ben Grimm, and let's back up a second. And Johnny, he and Ben Grimm are gonna go in an experimental rocket, and they're like, you know what? Let's go get those two kids from that boarding house who probably aren't even scientists to help us with yeah, this. Yeah, right. And, and so they have these diamonds that are going to help them. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the Mole Man, who is the jeweler in this, is kind of a version of it. What happens is I guess the jeweler wants those jewels, so he goes and he switches them like Indiana Jones. He yeah. does the thing where he grabs the real jewels and you know puts on the other jewels. With a giant cubic zirconia. Yeah, they're fake. And so I guess that's the reason that the Fantastic Four turn into the Fantastic Four in this movie is because they do the experiment which needs those diamonds yeah. and they're the fake ones that the jeweler puts there. I'll also say Dr. Doom was, was going to steal the diamonds to, to ruin the experiment because he was so mad at right. Reed Richards from... Be initially. For, yeah. From ten, yeah, 10 years before. And, it, and so it, it, it changes them all. And the craziest scene in this movie is later on when Reed Richards is like, Here's why we have these specific traits. Johnny, you've got a fiery personality, so now you're a fire guy. He's like, Sue Storm, you're nervous about, you want to be invisible sometimes, <laughs> so you're invisible. He's like, right. me, I just stretch my, t- that was the craziest one. Myself I, so thin, and then, and then. I stretch ben, myself so thin. Like, it's not even an emotional trait, it's just like a thing he does. Well, and then it was, Ben, you're as steady as a rock. Does he say that? <laughs> So. I don't even think he, I don't it's, even think it's he really something like that. that. Right. Yeah. It may as well have been the thing saying, "Why am I a monster?" And Reed being, "It's it's symbolism, Ben. Deal with it." And, and it's weird because like that can't be the reason that this happened. No, like they can't. It, like if, if honestly, it's somehow I, connected to their psyches. Yeah, it can't. It can't be because it's like saying like I stretch myself too thin. Is like the same trait as like, man, I play a lot of dodgeball, and one of them turning into a dodgeball. It's, it's just bizarre. It doesn't right. make any sense. Or like, you know, think of 
to date, the closest thing to a good Fantastic Four movie we've got are The Incredibles. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same thing. Their power sets sort of, they fit their personalities. That's fine. In a way that's very obvious. And so are the Fantastic Four. The fact that Reed Richards decided to talk about it is so weird. It's also weird because it, it's one thing when, when their powers fit their personalities. And it's another thing to say the reason we all have these powers is because this crazy magic experiment knew that knew that I sh- knew that my calendar was too full so they made me a stretch man <laughs> like that's weird that's a weird that's a weird trait yes uh but uh they're also uh, like i, I want to there's a, a love story in the film between ben Grimm and alicia masters uh and it starts when ben accidentally bumps into her and she drops a sculpture that she had made and then he's in love with her and oh, that's yeah. that's it. They don't show any courtship, any that is, relationship. That is how you fall in love with women, though. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> but like, is that really what you want to pattern your your actual love stories after? You no sh- way. Bradley, you, I you saw sh- a girl. And she had a face. Oh, I, I thought it was specifically sculpt. There's just a trail of broken sculptures. No, it's just, in, it's in just Brad's weight. If you're a female, that Brad sees. But basically, yes. My my the pupils in my eyes turn into little hearts. Sometimes they shoot out of my face. A steam whistle, an old timey steam whistle, comes out of the side of my head. Well, Let's let's uh, let's talk some positives. I got a positive. Uh, so we all remember the 1989 Ninja Turtles movie, of course. You know, and they had those uh, those faces yeah. that had the lips that moved and the eyes that moved and the eyebrows that were connected by wires to like a you know a joystick mm-hmm. and, and people were running them. I was surprised at how much uh, facial movement there was in the thing in this movie. Were you surprised by that? Oh, I think a lot of that million dollars went to the thing's face. <laughs> it was crazy because, like, I was like, is there a guy in there and someone's running the mask? Because at first, when he was opening his mouth, I'm like, okay, he's just opening his mouth. It's just a mask. Yeah. But then his facial structure changes a lot. Yeah. He, like, is... crinkles his nose and his eye- eyebrows go, you know, different. It's yeah. weird. It is expressive. Although, comparing it to that Ninja Turtles movie, like, oh, yeah, yeah. having Jim Henson's uh, creature shop yeah, yeah, pulling yeah. the strings goes a long way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. But... It's not the worst Fantastic Four movie. I would argue that the most recent one is pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's probably it's 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 weird because this movie has a little bit of that 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 soft charm of, yeah. uh, of the time it was made. New one is probably a lot tighter from a story perspective, though. Uh, no, no. The new one has Michael B. Jordan. Uh, that's that's the advantage of the new one. Yeah, but I I thought this I, there were lines of dialogue in in the one that we watched that were that were really questionable. Yeah. Um. I'm just trying to remember the other positives we saw as like, oh, I'd buy that as a reason. Yeah, uh, something did happen that I was like, oh, I like that. Right. Oh, man, what was that? It was, uh, damn, it was about Dr. Doom. Yeah. I can't remember it. It's, there, were a, there were a lot of weird choices. Like, there's yeah. a, a scene where, where Doom has them imprisoned, and, and their plan to break out is to uh, ambush some guys and steal their costumes, which is like a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, like, ten minutes later, you see the thing punch through a wall. Yeah. So, I mean, why? Like, what's with all the foreplay? Just have them punch through the wall. Right. I also like the idea of like that those those guys walk in, the guards or the doctors or whatever they were. They were doctors, and then the screen just spins and you oh, hear punch noises. It's like Batman sixty six. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, oh, let's let's not show him punching these guys, and it just spins. I always think that that's funny. To me, they should have showed. If you wanted to do that, like if I was the filmmaker and I wanted to get away with that, I'm like, ah, oh, we don't want him to move that much in this scene for whatever reason. I would have a shot in the door, like on the door, and the doctors would walk in and start talking to them and the door would shut behind them and you would hear the sound effects of the fight. Yeah. Isn't that a better way to do that than having the screen spin? Right. Weird. There were uh, at least two spinning newspapers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I like a spinning newspaper once in a while. You don't see him enough. Do you see him anymore at all? Is there anything? Just, uh, Maybe the Simpsons. Uh, yeah. yeah, not in earnest. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. You know, not I mean, in like earnest. you know, the, the Simpsons will have a, a su- like a smaller headline that says, uh, you know, uh, uh, printer injured yeah. in spinning newspaper <laughs> yeah, accident. Yeah, yeah. that was um, that's a great. You know what? That's a great phrase to to, to shorthand that. Not in earnest. Like to, to say yeah. that something is only used as a joke. Now that's great. Uh, at one point, Ben Grimm does say, "What kind of a thing have I turned into?" Yep, that's fine. Don't you think that that's okay? <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I guess it was. If he said, "What kind of the thing I've turned <laughs> yes. into?" That would be. I bad. guess. Was Sue and Johnny's mom was like, "Look at you, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, like before they set off on their mission. It's like you know, we were joking about the titular line and uh, mm-hmm. and the the UCB sketch about it. Um, it was uh, wasn't it? A by the way, Norm I, sketch just about it. As I as I think about just the idea of the titular. Oh, line, titular line. Yeah, yeah. The uh, all these Star Wars. Yes, yeah. the idea of was Reed Richards living at Mama Storm's boarding house with Sue and Johnny for all these ten years, and you know. 
grooming Sue Storm. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, the whole the whole relationship between the two of them. That's just weird. Reading the old comics, he's uh, you know, he's not the greatest husband. There's a lot of uh, quiet down, Sue. You're being hysterical, right? But uh, this is straight creepy. Yeah, yeah, that's I, you know, she she was the one who made their uh, uniforms. Yep. That again look questionable. Uh, all of them uh, have a shirt except for Ben's, uh, except for the thing, so you can show off his giant rock chest. Yeah. But. Yours was not giant. There's, there's like one line where she's like, "Hey, Johnny, uh, yours, your suit is flame retardant," which is offensive. In in the just kidding. In the 2005 version, they exp- I think Reed designs the suits, and he explains, "Oh, yours can go invisible, mine can stretch, and but like uh. all these things." And I'm like, the idea that she just mentions the one trait, right? Because like the suit doesn't go invisible, and like what's the limit of what she? I don't know. That's right? Because that would have been great is her going invisible, and you see like the costume walking around, right? Or, yeah. or Reed just like stretching through and ripping the sleeves. And, and they they don't explain that she learned how to make force fields. Like they never show her experimenting with her powers, but all of a sudden somebody's shooting at her and she makes a force field and then like you know two yeah the two... force field yeah that's right the force field never was a thing that she could do and in the final fight she just makes a force field right when everyone else is having problems with their powers at first and they're like oh i can shoot fire from my hand i don't know how to do it flame on yeah and then at the end she just knows how to do this force field and stop people why would she even have that it inkling could, it could have been like a dramatic scene where like she's like gun like Point blank, and you know, some someone's gonna shoot her, and like she puts her hands up and yeah, and learns that she yeah, can. Right. right there you and, go. And that's she's what like surprised. Happened. Yeah, that's what you know. Happened. And they had done like you know, guy A and guy B are on either side of her, and they're about to shoot at her. Oh, and, and she, she go- goes invisible and ducks, and they shoot each other. Right, which, which is like okay, well, this is a cartoon. This I love is that. clearly. I love it. That was great. And like know. yeah, I mean, it was it was practically Scooby Doo. There is yeah. a scene where Reed like stretches his leg out and trips some guys. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we made a comment on that. Chuck's like, all right, he can stretch. What's the way that he can hurt these guys? And we're like, just have him trip them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like yeah, three yeah. in a row. Yeah, three in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So crazy. Yeah, or, that it was really weird. Um, I did, after they crash back mm-hmm. on Earth um, and Johnny Storm is freaking out, he sounded exactly like Morty from Rick and Morty. He's like, oh, what are we going to do, Reed? I don't know, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of some filmmaking stuff, they, they clearly had – some pretty grand aspirations here. The whole mm-hmm. opening title sequence feels like their version of, of Superman the movie. Sure. Yep. With the zipping through space. Yeah. Um, the score is like Kmart, John Williams. I, it was weird because they did hire someone, I guess, according to the credits, but uh, it really felt like stock score. That They're like, uh, well, this, I, this scene is sad. Let's find a sad one. Yeah. Right? I read that the, 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 the two composers actually had to ante up six grand themselves to get an orchestra for it. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's uh, right. No, I did read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when they are in space before the accident happens, mm-hmm. there is um, a, a floating pen that they cribbed right from 2001. And, like, good for them for thinking they can, like, the audacity to be like, we're going to do this exact shot yeah. <laughs> because I've read about how they did it. Like, we got, some, we got a piece of glass and we got some scotch tape. We're going to put that pen on it. And that's how you know they're in space. That's really funny. Um, I was surprised that I was able to recognize... Three people. Uh, the professor at the beginning was Henry from Punky Brewster, uh, wow. and, and he was also the commandant in the police academy movies. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was that was where I recognized wow. him. From. I'm like, is that the guy from Fraggle Rock? And then I looked it up. And I'm like, nope, that's I know him from yeah. Police Academy. Yeah. Uh, young Sue Storm played Harmony in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Interesting. Mm. Okay. And uh, the only going into it, I knew that Human Torch was uh, the actor who played Chip, Alan Thicke's robot son from Not Quite Human. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> no, I, you know, that was another of. one I read the novelization of. <laughs> <laughs> this makes Is that me, like Small Wonders, but a movie? Uh, it was a, yeah, it was a TV yeah. movie. Um, About like a robot? Yeah, he builds a robot boy and then adopts it. Yep. So I mean, it, I appreciate that they showed him going through the paperwork. <laughs> uh, they made three of them. Um, he built his I, own robot boy and then had to go through the adoption process? I guess to you falsified some papers so of they course. You weren't like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, this kid doesn't have a social security number. Right. Um, oh, the fact that you read the novelization yeah. of Not Quite Human makes me feel better I, for I, having read the novelization of The Last Starfighter. Okay. <laughs> I, I did not, but I've, I've seen The Last yeah. Starfighter numerous times. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think about what people can do with computers now. And you can make scenes seem more crowded with just CGI people. And so the scene where they crash land and there's it's just the four of them and there's debris scattered around, which I, I all right, let's not talk about the logistics of a space uh, spacecraft crashing and they're scattered over like a hundred yards, whatever. 
that could be filmed by a crew of like seven people in 2009. Like, in fact, I would love for you to challenge your audience <laughs> to redo that scene yeah, yeah, yeah. shot for shot uh, because I, I don't think it would be super complicated. And then even to add in extra things in the back, like it just seemed so small and mm-hmm. low budget and like yeah. – and the fact that it's in the middle of the day, like if it were nighttime, you know, yep. mm-hmm. light a, you know, set a few fires, yep. tear their shirts a little bit, yep. yeah, 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 put some soot on their face, yep. and no. like, and they were there for a very long time. Oh, yes, it they were. That nobody seemed to notice that this yeah. experimental spaceship just showed right. up. Right, uh, you know, uh, minimum fourteen hours oh, because I, it was it was from day, and then at night the fake Marines showed yeah. up. I I liked the fact that there was the crash, and then they were okay. And Reed Richards is like his first inkling that something's wrong. Is like there was this huge crash. Look at this. This is a million pieces, but we're okay. Yeah. I was like, I've never seen someone say that before in like a superhero kind of thing, and I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I guess in Unbreakable, they kind of have the crashes where he walks out. Right. But uh, I really like that. I thought that I was like, at least that that's the first logical step in trying to figure this out. You know, I, I thought that that was pretty good. No. Yeah. Was, uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of cheese here. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And it's, it's crazy. um. Yeah, yeah. But it it is charming in that way. Yeah. It's weird. There's there's something. When you start watching something and it has that grain and that soft focus and that kind of phoned-in music, it automatically makes you feel, like, at ease and, like, you're ready to, like, embrace a warm hug. I don't know why. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I do. I don't know that I agree with you, but I understand <laughs> where you're coming from. There's a documentary about it that I kind of – I didn't know if we should watch it or not. It's called Doomed. Yeah. I know, did you watch it? I, I haven't, no. Oh, I'd like to watch it. I kind of want, yeah, definitely. I, I know, I'd like to watch it. That it's, would it's be a, where to go next. It's about this movie. Maybe we'll get some solid answers about whether or not, you know, who who knew that it was not going to really be released, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there are a lot of sort of these weird, um, you know, pre-MCU, mm-hmm. pre-Blade mm. sort of artifacts of, yeah, of, of just really misguided attempts. I know there is a pilot for... Uh, uh, a Nick Fury show or something where no, Hasselhoff it's, it's is... Hasselhoff. It's a movie. I will say, in defense of the people making these movies, so you watch stuff like this, you know, like uh, there's an original Punisher movie as well, That maybe, maybe the Nick Fury movie. I think stuff. there's a Man-Thing movie. Maybe there is Man-Thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I got it for free, like as a weird screener, and then gave it away in a white elephant Christmas swap, like pre-MCU, yeah. and that now I regret it because I'm like, I would love to watch that movie. So, so this Fantastic Four movie... You know, is it of similar quality to something that was fairly successful like uh, the Incredible Hulk TV show? Is it actually kind of similar in terms of how they handled stuff? Maybe it is. Um, And as it ages, not only was it, you know, frowned upon at the time or kind of like, you know, not greatly reviewed for whoever saw it. But as it ages, is it even crazier? Because I've been watching those Incredible Hulk shows and they're pretty crazy. Like they're pretty slow and illogical. It's like, it's about, first of all, his name's not Bruce Banner and the show is David Banner. Right. Um, it's about him being like, I got to figure out how to not be the Hulk. Let me travel around the country and help people do small tasks. It's, what are you talking about? Why would, that makes no logical sense. Stay in your lab and figure it out. Why are you, why are you like helping people like build their farms? That's what he does. He goes right. like around and just like helps them. Oh, I'm sorry, Chuck. Would you say that David Banner has great power? <laughs> Because if he does, <laughs> some would say. <laughs> but that's that's the question: is are there successful properties from these superheroes with the same amount of cheese? And at the time, were, were did were superheroes looked at in that light? And like that's how to handle them. Yeah. Where now we have the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, and even uh, Batman and Batman Returns, and, and as well as the MCU, and that kind of you know in between action adventure movie that kind of fits more of like an Indiana Jones style. Um, but at the time. Was it like, this is how to handle superhero movies. This is the first Superman movie. This is the Incredible Hulk TV show. Um, this is the way to do it. Those creative workarounds are, are you can, you you see that that was what their thought process was. Yeah. Like, so we can't, ha- we can't have the Hulk punching through uh, buildings all the time because we, we just can't. It's a TV show. It's, yeah. Probably doesn't have a big budget. Yeah. How can we get this story across in a different way? So yeah. that's why he's traveling around. Yeah. You know? And then right. in this, you sort of see... You see the thought process, and you're like, I get why you're doing that because they can't be the Fantastic Four for the whole hour and a half. You just right. yeah, can't yeah, swing yeah. it. Yeah. But, like, I mean, the choices are just odd. I know. They really are. And they clearly thought they were making a – you know, they their hearts were in it. Yeah. I think it, so. You kind of get to that point where all the threads are resolving, and it's almost like, oh, 
cute. They they think they're people. I yeah. I, I also <laughs> I, I I gotta say, even a movie as like kind of uh, illogical as this, putting a movie that is putting together a movie that's this logical in terms of plot and, and stuff is still difficult. Oh yeah, it's still difficult to make a movie of this quality. Sure, you know, yeah, so it's hard. I just uh, you know maybe if they leaned into the the silliness. I mean, just the the virtue of of having characters who can do these kind of absurd things, and, yeah. and just kind of embracing that and making the most of it. Yeah, uh, you had mentioned earlier when you were talking about your show, um, the most recent Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, um, which I was not expecting to see a close up of a dinosaur crying while it gets a blood transfusion in any movie ever. <laughs> But I, I mean, like, cry. did it cry? It was, yeah, blue, cr- like, shed a tear. I mean, it was. <laughs> I don't think blue shed a tear. It was this close. It was this close. They to just tear. needed to lean <clears throat> into it a little more, and that could have been like the Gremlins too of the Jurassic Park movies. If you want my honest opinion, I think that Jurassic World, the first one, by humanizing the raptors and making them characters, I love that. I think that that movie was executed to like the perfect degree of an evolution from the first trilogy. Um, where they took the raptors and, and just made them have characteristics of, of people and made them trustworthy or not trustworthy. Love it. Perfect. Um, Jurassic World 2 really missed the mark. I don't know why. Uh, the footage of, of Chris Pratt with Blue as a, as a baby and, the, and that being the only one who had sympathy when, when he was like pretending to be upset with the other ones kind of capitalized on it. I thought that was like no perfect. That, that flashback stuff. But the rest of the movie just really felt like it jumped the shark for some reason. See, I, I don't know if they can go more in that direction. I disagree. I I felt like the first Jurassic World was too, like it, it was too much shameless nostalgia bait for me. Yeah. Whereas Jurassic World Two <clears throat> was like, you know what's really not fun are the people. So let's just have tons of dinosaurs constantly. I, yeah. I think that there's there's a lot of great questions there. At the end, when the villain says to Claire and Chris Pratt, they're like, you know. We made these dinosaurs, or whoever made these dinosaurs, and they shouldn't have made them. But now we're stuck with them. And if we want to use them in this way, you're the person that's going to like basically ruin history by allowing them to take over the world, by allowing them to just run free and whatever. And I was like, that's a really great viewpoint, is maybe John Hammond, while not a villain in the original Jurassic Park, maybe he's the real one who did the wrong thing, and now later on people just have to deal with this problem. And maybe it is smarter to let them die or just let the volcano ruin the island. And it's not even like they're going to go to the island and murder the dinosaurs. It's a natural disaster on this island, and it's almost like Mother Nature writing itself. And that's the right way to go, and she's interfering with nature. I was like, that's actually really smart. Great plot point. Great point for the villain. And I really like that. Like I said, I really like the flashback stuff. And there was the sad thing about the brontosaurus dying on the dock was pretty emotional. Yeah, I'm okay with the blood transfusion. I'm okay with that. Oh no, I just like it's such. It was so silly, and like was, they're like, it was. you know what? We're gonna do it. Yeah, I think I think that I I did kind of I like that idea. Yeah, and I, then, I don't think those big questions and and something really bonkers have to be mutually exclusive. Uh, I think they can both. I don't think this is a great example of it necessarily, but I think yeah, you know, kind of like what I'm trying to get at with Fantastic Four if they just lean into the silliness a little bit and they own it yeah like, I think that fa- Fast and Furious is probably that yeah that's probably a great example of a <laughs> sure is of a, of a movie I series love it. that is successful because it knows what it is mm-hmm. and it really kind of says yeah well we believe in this stuff we right. think that, th- that this gravity defying action um, is what people are paying to see and what people are paying to enjoy I mean did you see the second uh, Fast and they so the new movie is called Hobbs and Shaw mm-hmm. and it's a spin-off of Fast and Furious with The Rock and Jason I'm Statham. very behind on this yes. on the series okay well I'll tell you this uh, Fast Five is my highlight they have this safe chase at the end of Fast Five. Oh yeah which is literally not, no joke one of the best action sequences that has ever been in any action movie it's incredible and I watched like a 20 minute thing of the guy who uh, choreographed that and, and talked about it, it was amazing. We watched it together. Yeah. So, you know, they made eight Fast and Furious movies. The newest one is a spin-off movie with The Rock and Jason Statham's characters, right? And the way have you seen the trailers at all? Yeah. It, the way they're playing it is amazing to me as like we're two action stars who who are just killing everybody and we rule and they just don't care. They're yawning at each other as they do these amazing things. And the second trailer, I don't know if you've seen the second trailer, because it really opens up the world. They basically go like the rock's like, We have to go hide. We have to go back to my home. And they go to what, Hawaii? Or Hawaii or Samoa. It's Hawaii. Un- unclear. They they have all of his brothers. One of them is Roman Reigns, the wrestler, who is his real-life cousin. And they go into this gun cabinet. They're like, we need these guns. These people are coming. 
there's no more guns. The mom like got rid of them. Yeah. And they start having this huge fight with like weapons like spears and machetes and yeah, yeah right and then they have this monstrous car chase in hawaii where it where they throw like a what is it what would you call it like a, almost like a grappling hook and it goes onto a car which goes onto another car and there's a onto a helicopter and the helicopter is pulling and there's five cars in a chain going up to this helicopter as the rock is trying to pull the helicopter down and i'm like this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and you know that those filmmakers were like, it's a little bit believable. This could happen. Blah, blah. They're not concerned with that. They're concerned with what can we make that's the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life. Right. And they just lean into it 100%. It's, they know what they're making. Yeah, it's their Chuck voice overriding their Brad voice. <laughs> well said. <laughs> but, you know, I think I don't think that's a bad approach for these types of movies. I like, agree. Um, I agree. Especially depending on your limitation. Sure. And I I wouldn't have expected the current Mission Impossible movies to be as good as they are. But I I listened to an interview with uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Basically, they write the movie around the stunts Tom Cruise wants to do. He's like, I want a scene where I do a halo jump. I want a scene where I'm actually flying a helicopter. So you find a country that's going to let me fly a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. And they're like, great. We're going to storyboard that. And then we're going to write the plot. Which is how around it because no one's here for the story. Which is how they traditionally have done like big martial arts movies, right? That's right. like a famous thing with Jackie Chan is they write all the stunts and then they write the movie around the stunts. They're cartoons, yeah. So they're 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 storyboarding it yeah. before they write it. Which, right, right, right. You know that's fine. That's yeah. what you go to these movies for. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think whenever whatever they end up doing with Fantastic Four going forward, maybe they should think what crazy adventure do we want to send them on? Yeah. What over-the-top villain do we want to have them square off against? Yes. And how can we do that without telling people what they already know about these characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like my idea with the thing and Doctor Doom teaming up in the beginning. And it's funny because my first thought is, like, can you do that with one of the heroes? But it's like Avengers introduced yeah, Hawkeye, Hawkeye yeah. by being hypnotized mm-hmm. and being with Loki. So I think you can. I think you can sure. do it. It's funny because you got to think that, like, you know, Fox has had a lot of missteps in recent years. Like, their, their best, their best uh, move was letting the people who love Deadpool control Deadpool, right? And doing what they want with it to make a rated R superhero movie, which no one believed in at first. Um, but it doesn't seem like they've, you know, first, X-Men First Class, I think, was really, really good. That was a big budget movie. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, I think, was really good, too. But outside of that, I think they've made a lot of weird kind of, like, what will the public want decisions? Whereas M- Marvel Universe has made, like, the decisions of, like, let's give a director freedom to use his own voice, which gives you... Black Panther gives you Spider-Man Homecoming, which is awesome. Thor Ragnarok, which is incredible and stuff like that. So these Fantastic Four rights now back with Marvel. It's my guess that in the next few years, we're going to see the Fantastic Four characters be utilized in the right way. Yeah. That's, that's what I that's what I imagine. Sure. And maybe at this point, with so many failures behind the characters from a movie's perspective, maybe they do become kind of the Hulk where they're the background of another movie and they help somebody out. Right. I mean, they've introduced what about Spider-Man. They've introduced the idea that the MCU now exists in a multiverse. There could be an Avengers movie and like first act ends with the Fantastic Four just coming through a portal. Reads yeah. like, "Oh, uh, I don't know who you guys are, but I made this thing. You guys need help." What yeah. if they make another Spider-Man movie where, you know, they focus on his uh, friendship with Johnny Storm? Because that's what it is in the comics. It's fantastic. It's it's Spider-Man and Johnny Storm, and the Fantastic Four kind of plays a background role. You know, you never know. They could do it. Yeah. Marvel Marvel has done so many amazing things with their past twenty-three movies that is like that are like unprecedented. Where there's probably, you know, over two hundred characters at this yeah. point that you care about. Um, they can kill it. So, sure. I um, mean, they made Thor: Dark World matter with uh, yeah with, the new movie. <laughs> with Endgame. Right. Um, I know it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, are there any other? Are there any? Bad comic book movies that you kind of hold near and dear to your heart that you might recommend. Not, you know, not like I always like the Daredevil one. Yeah, I always kind of had like a fondness for it, but it's it's weird. I I when you're young, sometimes you just like things for no reason. I dyed my hair red because of that movie. Wow. <laughs> like, well, when you just because so, you like the the, the I cut thought it was of cool. Daredevil suit. Well, think so. I have a pretty dark brown hair, right? Yeah. So if you take a red hair dye and you dye my hair red. It doesn't look that red, but in like when light shimmers on it, you see a red shimmer as opposed to like whatever you'd see with my brown shimmer. So I did that for a long time. I had like kind of reddish brown hair. 
because of that Daredevil movie. I like that that you give me grief for wrapping my uh, iced coffee in a napkin, and you dyed your hair because Did of I never Daredevil. Tell you this? I never told. How could I never? You told never you told this? me it was because in, of Daredevil. In like 450 podcast episodes overall, probably right. on other ones. I've never told you I dared my dyed my hair red because of Daredevil. If you did, I blocked it out and will block it out as soon as we leave here today. You know wow. why I started using size? <laughs> no. <laughs> Breaking new ground yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, Daredevil Gate. But it's hard because it's almost like when you're young. I, this is my honest opinion. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I think that if you're like 12, you could be having a good day. And if you watch a movie, it's like one of your favorite movies. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? So it's really difficult. Right. Because I, I, you know, I feel like when I was a kid, I liked, uh, man, I always liked Batman Returns. That was always my favorite. But I think that is a good movie. It's yeah. a really good movie. That's, it's the most Tim Burton of the two of them. It's, and, it's, and it's so cool in terms of the juxtaposition of, of the Gotham of that movie, the black and white kind of green, you know, grungy, like the penguin is so gross with the carnival aspect and the Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. It's crazy. I love yeah. that movie. In terms of bad ones, I mean, I loved Jim Carrey when I was a kid, so I loved the Riddler and Batman Forever. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I kind of have a soft spot for Batman Forever as Me well. Me too, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was good in that. He was great in that. If Like, if you think, I, I personally think that Jim Carrey is like a master of physicality. I love Ace Ventura. I love Dumb and Dumber and all those things. Um, if you feel like that, that's at like 100% with him as the Riddler in Batman Forever. I think he does a great job yeah. in that movie. Yeah. That's another reason I could have dyed my hair red. <laughs> yeah. See, I didn't see the first two Batman, and uh, I saw the, the, yeah, bat, the, the third one. The, oh, Forever. Batman Forever. Forever. I saw that uh, on a date. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't see Batman and Robin for like the longest time. Yeah. Great Smashing Pumpkins song. Yes. Terrible movie. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any, anything else in like the late 80s? I guess nothing. I never even watched the Superman movies, you know. You haven't? I've never watched uh, Superman movies. The first movies. two are really great. Okay, yeah, um, I'd watch them. Uh, there, was, there was a Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren yes. in the late 80s. Yes, yeah, that's I did right. not watch it. Uh, there was a Captain America, but that that's like right. it starred Red Brown from uh, Space Mutiny, which Mystery wow. Science Theater. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I feel like like we might have also seen a couple minutes of that Captain America movie as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, definitely, yeah. I definitely had a bootleg DVD. Mm -hmm. I, I still have it. This Fantastic Four was probably the same. Like that was a yeah. Comic Con staple. You go to yeah. you know the booth that has the the the, the bootlegs of movies that are yeah. out now and the bootlegs of things that people wish you'd forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. I wonder who owns the rights to that. You think anyone does? You think Fox does? Oh, I guess Marvel does. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You know what's interesting? Marvel owns the Alien franchise now. You think that's weird? And Die Hard. Marvel does? Or, oh, or I'm sorry, Disney. Disney. Disney does. I would, I would love to see John McClane fight an alien, a xenomorph. <laughs> I have a question. So You guys down? Uh, yeah, we'll get started yeah, on the crossover only, script. Predator only versus if, Die Hard. Uh, if if Spider-Man shows up. Though. If yes. they made a movie called Predator versus Die Hard, I would go see <laughs> it because of how stupid that is. Is it is that weird? I, I think about that. The Disney-Fox acquisition... Like, it's like, oh, they have the Simpsons now, fine. They have all the Marvel superheroes, fine. Is it weird that they have, like, Alien and Die Hard and stuff? Uh, I mean... Do they make any rated R movies? Does Disney make any rated R movies? Yeah, I mean, there are different, you know, like, Touchstone was a, a Disney subsidiary. Yeah, that was do they, sort of, like, do they still do that? Yeah, of course they do. Really? I mean, they've got their hands in everything. I mean, they're going to, you know, if they make another Alien movie, it's not going to say Disney on it. It's still going to say Fox. Yeah, know? is oh. that true? Are they going to do that? I would assume so, maybe. Wow, I does don't know. that make sense? Because I, I do think about the idea of, like, you know, this company is owned by this company, mm -hmm. and this company is owned by this company. Yeah, and, I mean, and Disney, I, I Disney owned Miramax, too. I was going to say Miramax is so, kind of So, all right, so the Predator is loose in New York City, and there's only one cop who can track him down. <laughs> you guys on board? Yeah. Are you right. kidding? Yeah. yeah, sure. You just took half a sentence from the Predator and half a sentence yeah. from Tyrant. And the trailer ends with, like, the Predator doing his mimic voice of Yippee-Ki-Yay, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um... No, it's it's. I mean, Disney has come out and they said they're going to keep Deadpool as a rated R franchise. Great, uh, which is good. But uh, what are they? So did so. It's funny. Like I, I don't really know those secondary companies. Like I know all the big ones, but like Touchstone, Miramax, all that stuff. What still does Touchstone still exist? I just think of that logo. Yeah, I haven't I seen that it, logo in a while. Yeah. No, but yeah, Disney's definitely like they've got different umbrellas or they put different things. Yeah, maybe Goodwill Hunting is like a Disney movie in some way. I think it is. Yeah. Because it was on, it was Miramax, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matt Damon's a Disney princess. That's not. I remember that Disney owned uh, the label that put out ICP's albums, and they pulled, uh, you know, one of the ICP albums like the day it came out, and there was a huge controversy about about that. 
um, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Chuck's a juggalo. So <laughs> that's why he knows so much about ICP. Uh, uh, that's, I mean, that'll have to be another episode because <laughs> I have a very strong opinion about juggalos and ICP, are, are but gonna, have not. Are you going to do an episode about it? Uh, I'll have to work my the Jekyll work brothers. To it. The Jekyll brothers. Is a good I'll, I'll, I'll say there's a, a great documentary about their festival. Yeah. Oh, the American Juggalos. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. called the Family or something. Fa- yeah. I, I don't know. We I we watched it. Again, probably 10 or 12 years ago. I remember yeah. we had a huge fight because I was like, if we got invited to the Gathering of the Juggalos, would you go? And you said no, and I had to beat you down until you said yes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I'd, Come on. I, I would feel as a reporter, incredibly as a uncomfortable. I don't know. Man. I don't know if what I can drink that much to? Fago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your guide. All right. When, they, when, you get the, uh, when you get the invite, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, guys. This has been fun. Yeah. Um, just remind our listeners again where they can find out more about the show. Yes, uh, it's chuckandbradpodcast.com to find the Chuck and Brad podcast uh, with a lot of uh, similar pop culture ramblings, uh, as well as information about Spider-Man Bradley Drawn on Sunday, June 30th at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island with Ray Harrington and Practical Jokers tour opener Jiggy and Alan Fitzgerald. There you go. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And if you're in Connecticut, hey, you know, Thursday, June 27th, we're going to be at the CT Comedy Theater in Hartford, Connecticut with Laura Manisowicz, BJ Quagan, and Katie Arroyo. And we're going to do the same show. It's Spider-Man Bradley Drawn. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys both for coming. Well, thank, thank you for having us, man. Yeah. This is great. Absolutely. We've got to have you on the uh, on our podcast yeah, and talk sure. about stuff and just, yeah. just plug the podcast in general. We can continue to talk about uh, Jurassic World. And yeah, I, I don't know that we have to. <laughs> well, let's 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 uh, you know let's put a pin in this uh, diehard Predator crossover, yeah. and we'll, like to be continued. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Deal. Uh, if you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find What Did We Miss on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at What Did We Miss. And that's all we got this week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Tony.